Welcome to Your Cathedral Podcast, a podcast from the Cathedral Church of St. Luke and St. Paul in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information on our church, please visit yourcathedral.org. Would you pray with me, please? Come, Holy Spirit. Come bring these words of the gospel today alive in our hearts and give us hope and lift from us dejection and discouragement and harassment. Lord, and give us a vision of hope, of your healing, of your mercy, of your forgiveness, and of your grace. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So I'm going to talk to you about Marcia today. I lived in community with Marcia back in the early 90s. I lived in a group home with people with people who were differently abled. All of us were differently abled in that group home. We'll just say it that way. It's more true anyway. Marcia was born in the 1940s, early 1940s. Marcia had what they called Down syndrome. And one in every 700 babies that are born are born with that today. And today, it's much more socially acceptable for people with Down syndrome. Some, as you know, are actors and actresses. We see them in films and on screen. There's even been a Barbie doll released in April that has the features of someone with Down syndrome. It's like, hey, (laughs) yes. But when Marcia was born, it was not like that. And having worked with many families who had children born with Down syndrome and other disabilities, I know that families were just advised quietly to take their child to the nearest institution and leave them there because they were told they could not care for them properly. And literally, they would leave their child at the doorstep and almost never see them again in some cases. It's a devastating loss. But that was what they were advised to do back in the day. And I'm sure Marcia's story includes that little vignette. And I don't know all the suffering that Marcia endured in her life. I can only imagine her real sense of rejection, the anguish she must have felt, and the questionable, probably even abusive care she received in, in an institution for people with disabilities. But I knew Marcia as she turned 50, came to know her in the community, and she was quite an amazing woman. Even though she'd suffered much in life, she had a resiliency about her that just shone through whatever disability you might see on the outside. There was a, a live Marcia inside that was full of it, if you know what I mean. I was thinking about her today when I read this scripture from Romans 5 that we just heard. We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Endurance produces character. Marcia was a real character, but anyway. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Hope does not disappoint us. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. That word poured in Greek literally means 
Niagara Falls, picture that. Whoosh, a cataract full of water, a cataract full of the Holy Spirit poured into us, God's love. Marcia had a finely tuned Holy Spirit gift of discernment. Marcia knew a fake or a phony, and she could spot them a mile off. <laughs> and she knew the real deal when she saw it. And so we took her with us one night to uh, the church we were attending in Jacksonville at the time. And we sat up in the front row because, you know, nobody sits in the front row, right? We sat up in the front row because some of our folks couldn't see very well. They couldn't hear very well. We thought, we're just going to go right up front. And Marcia was sitting in the row next to me, watching everything that was going on, taking it all in. And at one point, she kind of rolled her head around and she looked right at me and she goes, surely the Lord God is in this place. Whoa, where did that come from? I've never heard Marcia say that before. But Marcia knew something some people miss. She could tell when the Spirit was really present and working. And in our prayer services in the community where we lived together, Marcia would sometimes take our hands in her hand and put them on the top of her head. <laughs> like, pray for me. I need healing prayer. I want to feel the Holy Spirit pouring down on me. So she would take our hands and just do that when she wanted prayer. Like I said, she knew the real thing when she saw it. So if you would turn to page 814 in your pew Bible or on your app, whatever you have, back to Matthew chapter 9, beginning with verse 35. And while you're turning there, I'll just say the previous couple of chapters, Jesus has been going about everywhere with his disciples. He's going about and he's healing. He's forgiving sin. He's raising from the dead. He's casting out evil spirits. He's restoring the sick to fullness of life, episode by episode, almost so much that Jesus is either going to heal someone, he is healing someone, or he's just leaving from healing somebody. That's that, the, the course, the, the press of his ministry, that's what he's doing. But verse 35 is a summary of all of that, those previous two chapters. And it says this, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. That's the summary statement. And hear that, would you? He's teaching, proclaiming the kingdom of God. He's preaching the word, right? Like we do, hopefully on Sunday mornings at least. And he's healing those that are in need. He's delivering them, he's freeing them, he's cleansing them, he's doing all of that. It's twofold, it's not just one or the other. And this is the, the trajectory that Matthew sets up for us in his gospel. So there's the summary statement of what Jesus is doing, and then chapter 10, verses 1 to 4, Jesus calls the 12 disciples. He calls his 12, and Matthew names them apostles, ones who are sent and these 12 represent the 12 tribes of Israel, if you will, the chosen people. They are chosen by Jesus for this mission. And then verses 5 to 15 in our reading, and it continues all the way through chapter 10 in Matthew, Jesus gives them instructions along with the commission. Jesus gives them both authority and power to do what he's been doing 
to proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to heal. And he says to them, as you go, as you go on your way, proclaim, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. It's right here among you. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. And the story doesn't end there. It continues all the way through Scripture, all the way through the New Testament. Luke 9 has the sending of the 12, like Matthew does here. But Luke 10 continues it with 72 others that Jesus gives authority and power to and sends them out to do the same things he did. And again, it's a call. It's a commission. It's a transfer of power and authority to do what Jesus did. The laborers are few and the harvest is great. And he keeps sending out more and more people so that by the end of Mark's gospel, Mark says this, Jesus says, go into all the world and proclaim the good news to all creation and these signs will accompany those who believe. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover, among other signs that are mentioned. So it's for everybody. It's for all those who believe. It's not just for 12. It's not just for 72. It's not just for Jesus. It's for all those who believe. This dual commission of both proclaiming, teaching, and healing. It's what we're called to be as the church. And in the early church, we, we see that recorded in James chapter 5, where he says, are there any among you who are sick? The practice is this, call for the elders of the church. Have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. And that dual proclamation of proclamation and healing go together throughout the first few centuries of the church. In fact, in the first couple of centuries, what would happen around Easter is the bishop would bless, and we still do this today, would bless all the oils for the, for the year including the oil of anointing for the sick. And the bishop would bless those oils and then hand them out not just to holy people, not just to priests or deacons, but to everybody. Everybody would go home with that little vial, put it in their second century equivalent of a medicine chest, and pull it out when somebody was sick in the family or when their neighbors were sick. And they would anoint them in the name of Jesus Christ. And they would proclaim that their sins are forgiven when they confessed. And then they would be healed. And then they would say, who is this Jesus in whose name you pray? And they would be able to tell them about Jesus. And that's how the gospel spread in those early centuries. They didn't have conferences and they didn't have all the modern conveniences we have to get the word out, it went person to person to person. And it went in power because they saw it demonstrated. Of course, later on, after the third or fourth century, that practice began to fall away. And it became more just reserved for the holy people to do that kind of work. Or the priests, whether they were holy or not. <laughs> They would be the ones to anoint. And then it became so far down the road that it was just reserved for when people were dying. It was called extreme unction, meaning we would anoint you right before death so that you would have a holy death. And no expectation of healing as part of it at all. 
My dear friend and mentor in healing prayer ministry, Francis McNutt, said this when he talked about Matthew chapter 9 and chapter 10. He said, Jesus Christ has given his apostles as much a commission to heal as to teach. And if the church still claims Christ's commission to preach, what has happened to the second commission to heal? Great question. Thanks be to God, I think that's beginning to be restored in our day. Certainly in the last 50 to 100 years of the church, we've seen much more healing, laying on of hands, and practice of that in our churches. It's not something so strange anymore, I hope. But the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. And the need for healing is so great. Spiritual healing, especially coming to know Jesus as the one who forgives as the one who restores us to relationship through his death and resurrection, the one who reconciles us to God and to one another. We definitely need that spiritual healing and inner healing, the healing of past hurts, past trauma, healing of memories sometimes it's called, where there's great emotional wounding inside of us that we carry through our whole lives sometimes. We don't have to. That's the good news. It's there for us to be healed, to be set free of that, and to know God's love in those hurting places. Certainly physical healing. We all think probably of physical healing as we think about healing. Whether it's complete physical healing or whether it's improvement. Or we see God just lifting up a person's spirit as we pray. There's generational healing, literally praying for those things that pass down through our generations to be healed, the brokenness that we inherit throughout our families, and blessing the gifts and the legacies that come down through those generations. Certainly healing of our relationships with one another and with the earth. God is about all of that healing work in our day. And I think the tender heart of God looks upon all of us today and upon our families and upon our communities and our world. And God sees both the brokenness and the capacity for blessing that we all carry. And I think his heart goes out to us. Just as the gospel reading says today, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word compassion literally means coming from the bowels, coming from the gut. It's not just a, oh, they're there, tender, tender kind of compassion. It's deeper than that. It's this suffering along with you. That's the kind of compassion that Jesus has for those who are suffering, longing for them, longing for us, to know his love, his nearness, that we're not alone, that his love is poured out through the Holy Spirit and can bring healing and wholeness to mind, body, spirit, soul, and to our relationships. I was reflecting with a friend this week. She also is in charge of healing prayer ministry in her church. And we both agreed it's so sad that people can go through their whole life and not know that this kind of love of God, this kind of transformation of God by the power of the Holy Spirit is available to them, is for us today. 
And she began to speak about that in her life. And I said, would you please just write that down and send it to me? Because what she said was so profound. She said, I spent the first 27 years of my life knowing that I was saved for eternity because of Jesus. And what she told me over coffee was nicer than what I'm going to read. She said, and all I thought was, after that 27 years and I came to know Jesus Christ, life, you know, it starts with S. I won't say it in church. (laughs) That was life for her. It was nothing. It was just, I'm going to stay this way till I go home and be with Jesus. That's what life's going to be for me. And I know I'm saved. But with no real hope, she said, of life on this earth being anything other than bearable at at the best. Life was exhausting. I was angry. I was miserable. I was defeated. I was afraid. And the truth was, I had so many barriers between myself and God that I I couldn't believe or see his goodness toward me. I had a head knowledge of salvation, but I had no knowledge or understanding that his love could transform me right here on this earth. I received the Holy Spirit then, and he began to open my eyes and began a process in me to free me in the places where I was bound. And finally, I got comfortable enough to tell a, few, a, group of small, a small group of friends how bound by fear I was. And instead of beating me over the head with scripture verses and telling me to pray more and read more and be different and think different, They simply said, there's a place to go for healing. And I'm so grateful to the Lord for surrounding me with spiritual friends that introduced me to inner healing prayer. They did so much more that day than try to fix me. They introduced me to the healer. And when God began that day, would continue through a lifetime healing journey, God inviting me to lay down my pride to get real about my pain and sin and come to trust him. And through this healing journey, I have found a deep relationship with God, which has transformed my life. And I have great hope and the desire to help anyone who is battered by this world, the traumas that we all face and those that are known only to God and to us. Here's what God wants you to know, she said. He is for you. He has deep personal love for you. It is his deep desire that you know his goodness and his loving kindness toward you. Come to him for healing, physical, emotional, spiritual, whatever it is. He will meet you where you are and he will not only set you free, but he will transform your life in the deep places through his love. He will heal you. But more importantly, you will gain him. I so appreciate her testimony. I think it could be a story for many of us. I also have read many times where Pope Francis over the last decade or so has said this about the church's role in the healing ministry. Pope Francis said, this is the mission of the church. The church heals, it cures Sometimes I speak of the church as if it were a field hospital, like a MASH unit. 
right there on the edge of the battlefield of the world. And it's true, there are many, many wounded. So many people need their wounds healed. This is the mission of the church, to heal the wounds of the heart, to open doors, to free people, to say that God is good, that God forgives all. God is Father, God is affectionate, and God always waits for us. And yet I know the church has not always been that field hospital. Church has not always been that loving, receiving, healing place or space or people. We've neglected this healing ministry for far too long. We preach just fine. I think we preach really good here at the cathedral. But healing is a part of the gospel just as much as preaching is. So we've neglected that ministry. Please forgive us as leaders for doing that. Please forgive us. Sometimes the church wounds more than we heal. We hurt people in our even well-meaningness. The church can become a battleground over issues and oh, the color of paint in the sanctuary and thousands of other things that cause people great upset. The church is meant to be a healing place, a space for knowing and experiencing the love of God. We don't want to wound those who are already battered and bruised by life. We want to be a space for the love of God to be poured out in healing presence and prayer. So I ask you, brothers and sisters, to forgive us as leaders, as pastors, for neglecting this wonderful ministry and this mandated ministry of the gospel. And forgive us for harming you sometimes too. God, have mercy on us as leaders. And Lord, give us your own compassionate heart to stretch out our hands to heal in your name. And I pray as you all hear the word of God taught and proclaimed, that you will experience healing just by the word of God coming into you. And as you come up to receive the body and blood of Jesus Christ in communion, I pray for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit directly into you through this good medicine, the body and blood of Jesus that he gives so freely to us. And I entreat you, come and receive laying on of hands for healing in one of these two chapels during communion, and prayer ministers will stay as long as you want, to, you want to come up and receive prayer. Don't let your pride get in the way. Don't, don't think, well, people are going to see me going up there, and they're going to think, what's wrong with her? What's going on in her life? She's been up there three weeks now. Don't go there. Don't go there. Don't give in to that pride. Just come. Just come, but also come to our services of prayer and worship on Sunday nights that we have where there's soaking prayer available for you and there's laying on of hands for you there. There's just the peace of Christ, the shalom of Christ so present. Or come and talk with Pete or Patrick or me and come and receive laying on of hands with us. Let us pray with you. There's nothing more I like better than to do that. <laughs> My favorite thing in the whole world. So come also and offer yourself as one who may be called to pray with others for healing. 
because the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. As my friend Marcia would tell you if she were here with us today, surely the Lord God is in this place. And he is very present to heal. Amen.